Welcome to the Digitalization and Diversity Podcast, where we are exploring the crossroads of two hot topics, digitalization and diversity. My name is Adya and I am your host. Welcome back to the Digitalization and Diversity Podcast. In today's episode, I am excited to chat with Risha Malhotra. Risha currently helps companies use analytics effectively as part of her corporate job at Salesforce. She is passionate about mindfulness, living with intention, and believes in learning something new every single day. Her passion for helping people grow has led her to start her own brand, Mindful Businesswoman. Welcome to the show, Risha. Tell us a bit about yourself. How did you end up in your current role and how did you start your personal brand? Well, thank you firstly for inviting me to your podcast. I'm I'm extremely excited to be here. I feel it has two of the most interesting topics that we're going to be discussing today, digitalization and diversity. So a little bit about myself. Um, So I'm born and bred in India and I lived 20 years in India before I decided to pursue my higher education in marketing. And that's when I moved to Paris. And after, you know, studying in Paris and actually studying in in a country that is not your home, I would say, or where you have spent most of your life is really eye-opening. And it really opens up your horizons and you start looking at things very differently. And I knew that I wanted to explore more. I wanted to, um, you know, one of the things you have in your podcast, you know, really experience diversity. And that's where I decided that I would like to actually, um, you know, find internship, which was the next thing that I had to do as part of completing my master's in Paris. I decided to go to Sweden And I found this really amazing opportunity to work in marketing communications there. I spent a year working in Stockholm. And uh, then I kind of ventured after doing marketing communications into the employer branding space. And uh, that was very interesting because, you know, when you look at marketing and look at branding, you look at consumer point of view, but seldom do we actually look how employers or companies might need to brand themselves to attract the right talent. So it was a very interesting space. I worked there for two years. And uh, after that, I found my next challenge in sales. And that's what I'm doing currently. I have worked with uh, some of the biggest tech companies. I've worked with LinkedIn. And currently, I'm working with uh, Tableau, which is now part of the Salesforce family. So that's kind of what I've done in my journey so far and where I find myself. Thanks for sharing that. So I am always interested to know the initial story, like what kind of decisions people take, especially at university and the early career days, which kind of lead up to where they are. And growing up in your career, what were the different kind of challenges which you have had to work through? So growing in my career, um, I would say one of the major challenges was obviously, you know, moving countries and then I've also moved continents. Um, I currently live in Singapore so I have lived in Europe um, in a few different countries and now here back in Asia but in in a different country then which is uh, which is where I've spent most of my growing up life in. So I would say really uh, being in a new place and setting up your life there and uh, along with that really I would say absorbing 
you know, the, the culture you find yourself in suddenly, um, how things work, the way of life. I feel all those things are kind of challenges, but they're also exciting challenges to have. But I would say that has probably been most challenging for me. But, you know, as they say, um, most growth happens where you are challenged the most. And I feel that's where I've grown immensely. And I can completely relate to some of the challenges we have mentioned because changing geographies is always an exciting challenge. And I see that for myself as well. I started my career in the tech sector right after completing my engineering degree. And then I transitioned into consulting after my master's in business management. And being in consulting, even though a lot of my work is business and strategy focused, I have still tried to keep my touch points with tech while working with clients from different functions, from HR to finance. And what I've observed is that the general corporate functions have evolved with digitalization, everything from using RPA technology, that is robotic process automation to automate manual and repetitive admin tasks, or using just digital tools and solutions to improve collaboration. And I know that you have also worked in different corporate functions, especially in the areas of employer branding and marketing, and then you moved into sales. So how did you get into sales and how have you seen these corporate functions evolve with the trend of digitalization? Well, as we all know, marketing is totally changing, right? You don't buy anymore looking at a TV advertisement. You're probably looking at your phone and looking at a, you know advertisement on Instagram, probably that's urging you um, to yeah. buy something. So that way, obviously, yeah. we, we are quite aware um, of the change that marketing um, or what has happened in the marketing function, particularly. But then when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, I would really like to touch upon my current role sales. And it's very interesting that you asked me this question, because in fact, the whole digitalization piece was what got me into sales. Traditionally, if you look at sales, it's not a very sexy function to be in. People just envision you mm-hmm. probably um, being someone who's uh, repeating pitches and who is you know, constantly on the phone. But because of technology, that has changed so much. And I feel that was one of the factors that I wanted to uh, join sales. In fact, I started my uh, full-blown sales journey at LinkedIn. (laughs) And, you know, it is a social media platform. It is, I would say, very much representing the digitalization that we live and breathe every day. And the function that I was part of in sales was actually how we can use LinkedIn and we can use um, basically we can kind of move away from traditional marketing. So the whole idea and concept that I was um, working with was how we can make uh, sales digital. So, um, you know, to your question um, and to the broader topic of how things have changed, I feel um, I feel I was kind of part of the change uh, with definitely this function in sales. And that's what LinkedIn is trying to do with how people sell. So I definitely feel that yeah. there, there's, there's a whole 180 degree uh, change coming. I feel we're not there yet. Uh, there's still human mm-hmm. interaction, which always will be there. But I feel the way we approach and the routine of the function has changed completely. And it's interesting that you bring up uh, social media platforms and networking platforms, because looking at how digitalization has interfaces with social media and how digitalization actually affects different business functions, 
are some of the areas where I'm currently exploring. And that connects me a bit to the theme of the podcast, which is digitalization and diversity. I want to understand from your experience, in, in what ways or where have you seen these trends cross paths? All right. So let me first start with shedding light on the definition of diversity, because I feel that diversity means differently to different people. And for me, it is not limited to just race. Um, and that's something that I've obviously noticed uh, living across uh, continents and countries. For me, it also extends to mindset. Um, and I feel that digitalization and has helped to bridge that gap. I feel people having access to, you know, just not how they are used to thinking in their own circle or in their own bubble, could be their city or their country or their culture, but they're also opening up their minds to other people, other ways of life. And that is all thanks to digitalization. So I feel that's where these two are crossing paths where diversity um, which is a great thing to have, is uh, helping people understand each other because of the access they have now to digital technology. Yeah. Can we elaborate a bit more on how you have defined diversity? And you talked about how diversity goes beyond race and also looking at different thoughts and thinking styles and different age groups. So what are your thoughts on imbibing the digital mindset while communicating with diverse age groups, for example, Gen Z, which are uh, slowly entering the workplace now? Right. So I feel we need to um, firstly not uh, look at them as, as, um, as a group that is new or is uh, inexperienced because I feel a lot of times we just tend to believe that, oh, they're still new to the workplace. And most of us have started uh, having them around, obviously, in our work lives. Yeah. But we need to really understand that we in that situation or in that position when we were starting out, and this I'm talking as a millennial, so I'm not that old, but when I was in the position where I was just starting out, I was yeah. a lot more inexperienced and I have no, mm -hmm. uh, you know, qualms about owning that because of the, you know, access that we have today um, to information as opposed to what we had then. Even though, you know, we as millennials, we have also partly, I would say, grown up with technology. Uh, Gen Z have a lot more. I would say they almost they're all their waking up life or their conscious life has probably been with technology. So I feel it's yeah. just second nature to them. So if we can really approach the conversations we're having with them and the ideas mm -hmm. that they bring to the table, I feel we can be more accepting of that and not mm -hmm. see them as an experience is the right way to approach working with them and actually coming up with something that is collaborative and good for the organization. So what is it that we can learn from the new generation? That's a very interesting question, actually. So I feel we can definitely learn, and this is something very specific that I have noticed, is that they seem to be very um, investment savvy. They, they seem to be mm -hmm. very um, almost more aware about money, about wealth generation. And I feel that mm -hmm. is all thanks to digitalization. Um, I mean, we yeah. can all see, you know, if we, even if we looked, look at uh, cryptocurrency, for example, I would mm -hmm. say you can definitely see a lot more, um, you know, 
Gen Z or even, you know, millennials for that matter, really trying to, you know, dabble in it or trying to invest. Uh, whereas, you know, older people, they might be more risk averse and they don't see that yeah. as something more real and tangible. So I think we, we, we can learn that from them, just how they are looking at money. They're looking at uh, investment and more importantly, I would say wealth generation. They, they just seem yeah. to be so much ahead of the curve that we don't need to just save and, you know, retire at 60. How can we Definitely. really generate wealth? And, you know, how can I retire when I'm 30 already? And I think that's a great yeah. ambition and goal to have. And we can definitely learn. So I want to talk a bit now about your current role, because I find it very fascinating. How I understand it is that currently you are involved in the data industry, helping companies leverage data better and I really feel that when it comes to exploiting technologies for digitalization, a core focus area is data. And there are numerous use cases I have encountered which showcase the benefit of using data and data analytics, uh, which has progressed tremendously in the last years to kind of being developed as its own niche function that can impact all other corporate functions, no matter what the industry is. And my question here is, how do we become more data-driven and enable more data-driven decisions? Or what is stopping us today, basically? I love this question because I'm really passionate about, um, I would say, the industry I'm, that I'm in, which is the data industry. And yeah. the, the, the part about being data-driven is actually very closely linked with, I would say, analytics. And, you know, analytics, mm -hmm. I know when, when people hear about it, it sounds like this heavy word and they feel that, oh my God, it's probably you're coding millions of data points and then uh, you're trying to analyze them and then come to a decision. Um, yeah. But, you know, just to kind of, you know, clarify that for most people here, since I work in the industry and um, as I mentioned before, I work with Tableau, which is uh, definitely one of the top um, undisputed, I would say, uh, data analytics platform or Mm -hmm. business insight tools. So one of the things that we are known for, or actually our mission is, is to make organizations more data-driven. And I feel mm -hmm. it's not just limited to organizations. I would like to broaden this uh, for our audience here who probably are not looking to do or be data-driven at their organizational level, but maybe on a personal level as well. So I feel mm -hmm. really adopting, yeah. um, you know, the BI tools and, um, and of course, you know, if they adopt Tableau, that'll be great. But <laughs> there's so many other, you know, tools out there. Um, the, yeah. the idea is that these tools are here to simplify all the data points that exist. And the, yeah. uh, you know, you call it the boon and the bane of the data world yeah. that we live in big data today. And there's so much data. But where, you know, do we start picking up uh, which one is important and stop which one is not important, right? And that is where an analytics tool would help you just kind of connect all the data you have. And uh, the Im important word here is actually insight. You're not looking for analytics. You're actually looking for insight. And yep. analytics is just the bridge that leads you to uh, the destination here, which is insight. And I feel when, even if you are someone... Um, you know, trying to be more data driven in your everyday life. Um, mm -hmm. Just look into analytics tools, look into something that is even, you know, very lightweight could be something that you can use on an individual level. 
and you can apply that to your yeah. life you could apply that even to your finances you know kind of circling back on wealth generation uh, you could also kind of really track okay what is getting me the best result and where i should be mm-hmm. spending time or investing my money so i feel those are some of my suggestions on how we can become more data driven and empower ourselves uh, with the data um now i know you did ask me also like what is stopping us yeah. um and you know that is something that um you know just talking to um clients day in day out i i notice um and i feel just on a personal level as well um i would say is paranoia it's probably that's the word i would say it's it's not the thing itself it's just the fear that people have of the unknown mm-hmm. and yeah. what lies there and then of course you know yeah. then there are all of these um concerns that people have about security settings uh, who is having access to my data but you know guess what we are living in a digital world and if you own any piece of social media on your mobile your data is probably getting captured so i feel the the resistance and the paranoia that we have around being data driven needs to be yeah. kind of you know just let go because uh, you that data is already getting captured how about you use it to your advantage yeah so how can mm-hmm. we feel more comfortable with the data which is being shared for example through the use of different digital tools right so i would say um what, you know if you think about what is the the opposite of uh, you know i i just uh, mentioned that paranoia obviously germinates from fear and fear of the unknown mm-hmm. so the opposite of that is uh, you know get familiar with it come to know mm-hmm. it um and how you can do it well educate yourself don't just mm-hmm. assume that uh, they're probably yeah. capturing everything no actually there is a lot of control that you have as an individual over your data and if you yeah. are downloading any tool well just yeah. make it a point that you first educate yourself how does the tool work um and it's fairly simple it's not um i would say just something that is um, very technical every yeah. it's uh, we live in a full disclosure i would say environment now and because digitalization has taken over our everyday lives governments have created so many regulations there are laws out there i mean in europe you all yeah. know there's gdpr so yeah. your data is not misused so i feel just educate yourself that will not only give you the confidence but it would also make it easier for you to use them and i agree because when i reflect on why we are not as digital today as we would expect to and by we i mean not you and me but rather organizations and even economies in the bigger sense I do feel that a lot of it comes from concerns regarding data. What I've seen is that when it comes to data privacy and security, more often than not it it does create a resistance towards adopting a new technology. But yeah, as you said, right, that um education is key here. So educating yourself on the tool and what kind of data is being shared is probably uh, the best way to move forward, especially when it comes to becoming more digitalized in your personal life as well yeah yeah and you know it's it's about um, change management right it's a it's a age old thing that uh, has mm-hmm. existed in industries and in the corporate world so i feel we yeah. also need to some, sometimes um use a change management and the techniques for our personal use as well and really understand yeah. what is causing the resistance and try to you know get to know the unknown 
I want to circle a bit back to your early career um, when you worked at LinkedIn in Singapore before. And I know we have had a few discussions on this around how we can better leverage digital tools for networking and socializing. But I would like to know more. So do you have any advice for the listeners on how can we better use digital tools for networking? I love this question because, um, I mean, you would know. Um, I am so passionate about LinkedIn and just in general utilizing these social media tools um, or digital tools out there to to connect and network. And um, well, I'll give you a fun fact uh, about my own career. Every single job that I've had starting from an internship actually has been through LinkedIn. So, you know, wow. even before I joined LinkedIn, uh, well, I didn't know at that point uh, that I would end up, you know, five years later working at LinkedIn, um, you know, initially being such a huge, I would say, advocate for them uh, for me mm-hmm. started early on. But, um, you know, to your question about what is one advice that I would like to give. So, um, again, I can, you know, I think that's a a whole another podcast here if I went into, you know, all the tips. So I will restrict myself to just giving one advice. So the most important advice that, um, and it's not a technical one, it's probably not relating to, uh, you know, actually going in and doing it, but it's actually on a very broader level. So sometimes people forget uh, when they are interacting with other people using digital media or digital tools that there's actually a real person that is Mm -hmm. talking to you or reading your message on the other side. Mm -hmm. So my advice is talk to them or treat them how you would if you were in a room with that same person. So Mm -hmm. that is extremely important. I feel that is, uh, I would say, if you are able to get that right, you will start seeing the way you connect with people would be very different. And I mean, of course, you know, meeting that many people in the real world is difficult. But if you can actually yeah. marry, you know, the interaction and the human emotion that you have when you're talking to a person in the real world, with your digital interaction, well, that's your secret recipe, I would say. You are reaching so many people and connecting with them on a human level that will get you much better results of whatever your goal is to network with them. So does that translate to more personalized messages um, or how can we better make it more personal? Because I do feel that Mm -hmm. also with the whole future of work situation and remote work getting a very prominent place in our lives now, that interaction over social media will really become the usual. So how do we get into a more personalized interaction and networking space using digital tools? Right, so if if I had to get really tactical here, I would say if when you are trying to reach out to someone, when you're trying to connect with someone, um, just think about, you know, uh, just kind of, I would say really crystallizing what I just said that, you know, talk to them as you are, or as you would if you were in a room with them, really means mm-hmm. that would you actually just someone you met, would you ask them, hey, um, uh, would you ask them for a job? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Your, your opening mm-hmm. line would be that, hey, I'm looking for a job at your company or um, you know, could you help me get a job here? Because I know a lot of people like to network to find job opportunities. So I'm using this as an example. So I feel mm-hmm. that is the mindset shift. 
-hmm. if you were in the real world you would probably try to have some small talk you would probably try to find some common yeah. ground you would try to find uh, some uh, maybe mutual connections or people that you knew so that you can gain credibility yeah. with that person same applies yeah. in the digital world so let's say if you're writing to a person uh, to in a in on social media um, or using mm -hmm. any digital tool mm -hmm. write to them probably look out for do you guys share any mutual connections that's a great way to start mm -hmm. look out yeah. for any common uh, places that you might have interest in you know you might be part mm -hmm. of some clubs or you might have even you know graduated from the same uh, university or you yeah. might have um, probably worked at the same company maybe not at the same time yeah. so i think these are just yeah. some of the examples that you could look out for and have that as your opening um when you're reaching out to someone and try to understand them where they are um in their corporate life as well right now and then just could you maybe a chat with them or just some time where you could you know have a, a texting conversation maybe over the social media so just approach it like that yeah thanks a lot risha for all your tips and advice i find them quite practical and useful as well and as a closing topic i I want to touch base on the pandemic um now that we're slowly coming out of the pandemic and the last months have impacted everyone in so many different ways of which i like to think that some of them have been positive and as you mentioned right that um you have been um exploring new things and new opportunities during the last months and i want to talk to you a bit about um something new which you have uh, discovered especially getting into the digital art workspace which i find quite interesting and it would be great if you can sh uh, share what you've been venturing into sure yeah of course you know i feel i totally echo your sentiment here about uh, you know it's it's been a hard year i feel every for everyone but at the same time i feel it's been um Uh, an interesting year to to look at life differently and to really yeah. look at areas of your life where you think you're not satisfied or you're not fulfilled right and you want to grow yeah. because uh, in a everyday life we we can travel we can meet our friends well um uh you know lockdowns have obviously restricted us from even meeting our friends in the same city so yeah. you know we have enough <laughs> distractions i would say to not sometimes reflect on things that we are not necessarily unhappy but maybe you know we we could actually put in more time and to um you know nurture something and uh, well the last few months actually i personally um you know realized that i had a hobby which i've had for many many years now but i just feel in the last few years um i have just kind of you know it just slipped off my radar and how much i missed mm -hmm. it and that's painting so i have been mm -hmm. I've been painting since I was a kid. I mean as as far as I can remember, I feel I was you know I I was always taking part in school competitions and I've just always been someone who was you know painting, sketching, drawing. Um but I did formally start uh, you know creating you know art pieces. Um I have actually started um my digital space on social media by the name of mm -hmm. mindful.artist.official where mm -hmm. i use it as a platform to post my uh, new artwork and new collections that are coming out um but yeah. something new that i've discovered and i think ties so beautifully with uh digitalization and you know what we have been speaking about today is uh, you mm -hmm. know the nft space so um non fungible token or nft 
is um, backed by blockchain technology, which is the same as cryptocurrency. So if anybody yeah. has looked into crypto or is invested in it, would obviously be aware of blockchain. Um, mm-hmm. And non-fungible token or NFT has really risen, I would say, in the last um, few months or the last year. And it's given a great platform for artists, for musicians, for anybody who's trying to sell something unique in the digital space. Yeah, I got myself into it and I'm my physical paintings, I have made them into digital artwork, which are mm-hmm. also available, um, you know, to be bought on OpenSea, which is one of the NFT platforms where you can yeah. buy and sell art. So yeah, that's something new that I've ventured into. And I feel um, definitely um, technology, I feel has re-energized me to, to pursue my hobby again. Yeah, and that's amazing. I really wish you all the best in your journey, also into this new venture, which you've set up. Thank you so much. So how can our listeners reach you? Well, um, they can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I feel we have spoken so much about it. The other yeah. channels where you can probably reach me, my brand on uh, Instagram, mindful.businesswoman. So you yeah. can you can follow that. I mean, I try to uh, use that as a space to inspire everyone on how they can bring mindfulness into their everyday life. So you can definitely follow some daily dose of inspiration. And um, mm-hmm. the one that I already mentioned before, which is mindful.artist.official, if you want to have a look at my art. So those are a few different places where you could find me on. And well, if you do, definitely drop me a message and say hi. Um, Even if you're someone looking to have, I would say, even a short coaching session with me, I'm happy to do that. Um, Just drop me a message and we can definitely connect over a discovery call. Thanks for sharing your channels, Risha. I will also be posting the links to the podcast description for listeners who want to get in touch with you. Sounds great. That is it for today's episode of the Digitalization and Diversity podcast. Join us again next time as we further engage in a discussion to investigate how diversity and digitalization cross paths.